0: Through the lens of loving local and seeing global, we obsessively search for people whose stories need to be told and how OKC played a supporting role. Hosted by Katherine Bexton and Emmy Coves, welcome to Action City. Hi. Good morning. We're not in the studio. I know, we're on a we're on a road we're trip. We're in a secret.
1: Secret location. Secret. Lo- oh, it is secret till Thursday. Yes. Oh. Oh, and it's good that it's nondescript. Yeah. Kind of. Oh. Yeah. You wouldn't know from where from where we're sitting. <laughs> we like to be on a road trip We're not that far away, though. No, we're base. not. We're not very far, and so. we're up high. We are. Up, yep. We can see a lot of. So the that'll kind of narrow it down for you. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, okay. It's
0: Thanksgiving week. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, and happy Thanksgiving on.
1: Thursday, when this episode comes out.
0: Yes. I'm so excited. I love Thanksgiving.
1: I'll be in Tampa. <laughs> be in Tampa.
0: <laughs> Somebody just
1: sent me a very long uh, list of things to do in Tampa, though. Her best friend lives there. And I was like, okay, well.
0: Does it sound fun? I don't know.
1: I didn't get a chance to look at it because it came be we At least be were... in nice weather, right? Well, I don't know. But he said 72. Is that nice? It's not a swimsuit weather. Thank 70- God. But the Thank sun God is maybe a, a little suit.
0: stronger. I don't know. Might get maybe a little so. sun. I know seventy two is not swimsuit weather. No, but it is maybe like jeans and a t shirt or shorts. Maybe seventy two is perfect. Yes, yes, it's the weather that we like to dress for. Not
1: it's my not kind this. of. It's my kind of weather. Not, not turtlenecks, turtlenecks and, and sweaters. Oh, oh, I cannot. No. Okay, we. I had Thanksgiving at my house last night. Is that your peak? I would say that's my peak. Mm-hmm. You know what? I really so we're always well. I guess every now and then we're not here on Thanksgiving. We weren't here last year, but we, for the longest time, did Thanksgiving with all the Buxtons at Jim's aunt's house. And it was so much fun. And you know me, I love to sit around the table. So when I knew we were going to Tampa, I just couldn't bear the idea of not not sitting around the Thanksgiving table. I mean, we're having Thanksgiving in a ballroom at the Tampa Hilton on Thursday night. Okay, That was (laughs) just not going to cut it for me. So we had Jim's mom and my niece Ellie came and my parents and then the cranes came fun and you guys i mean i i didn't cook the whole thing my mom made the dressing and the cranberry sauce and my mother-in-law made the rolls but other than that i was going to say but that's like you still have a turkey what, what I mean, did and you i make? didn't make the pies i got the pies from rail yard pies oh that's my other peak okay so my first peak was Thanksgiving you guys yeah. so i cooked the turkey
0: yeah what did you make
1: turkey i made you guys 12 Mashed of potatoes? us, I got a 20 pound turkey. What is wrong with me? I could have had 30 people at Thanksgiving. Easily 30 people. I mean, there was so much food I can not So I made a turkey. I cooked it in one of those bags. Oh, like in the parchment bag yeah, from yeah, Whole yeah. Foods? Uh-huh. It was perfect. It Did was you like do some sort of sage and thyme turkey.
0: No, but I totally forgot about that. Right? Remember Brian told us that? That was like a year ago. That-
1: I can't believe we've been doing this for a year. I know. Oh my god. Well, maybe next time, if I have more time, I'll which, try by that, the way, right?
0: our uni- anniversary came and went. We came like, and went, and we did nothing. Did, yeah. It does. It happens at Greta and all the time. And true, like us fashion. Yes, we, we just, just like, we talked about it a lot, and
1: then yeah. So I did the turkey. I did this like delicious Brussels sprout salad with pickled carrots Ooh, and hazelnuts. Yum. Obviously green beans, but then I did macaroni and cheese, potatoes au gratin, mashed potatoes. Jeez, so you all three? Yes, and now it's all in my refrigerator. Wow. With Oh, and Jim made two hams. There hams? were 12 people. Five of them were children, okay? One of the, I don't know. He got two different hams. He wanted to make both of them. So one of them we ate. The other one I had no more refrigerator space left for, and he said he was going to take it, I don't know, to the Jesus house or somewhere. So I put it in the back of his car last night so that it would stay cold, my mom's like, just put it on the back porch. I'm like, I don't need animals on my back porch with a ham. So the ham <laughs> stayed outside. Ew! I bet his truck car,
0: bed. Oh my god! It that was wrapped like, in foil.
1: I wrapped it. Still, I wrapped the it. smell of <laughs> ham. Like, well, I was gonna put it in his car, and he's like, "Do not put that ham in my car." Oh, okay. So it was, it was in, in the like back, the truck oh, the bed. Truck bed. Part. Okay,
0: okay. Because I'm thinking of like ham smell in your car.
1: Oh, oh gosh. But so, you know, then I sat on the table with all my china. Mashes. Pretty. I did. I, I don't know. Went on the internet and got some centerpiece that I made
0: myself. Cool. I want to see a picture of your table. I bet you know. Oh, guess what? Table. I I took no pictures. Oh.
1: Maybe Jim. Actually, Jim took one picture, but he didn't take it when the whole thing was set with like all the stuff. I t- had taken one of the dishes I'm off. I'm
0: scared my Thanksgiving table is going to be ugly. What? I well, I'll planned – I decided to do something different this year. I love a tablescape. Love a tablescape. Like, like it goes do. down the middle, like, or just like in general, just well, what in it's going to look yeah, like. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love um, it. But I'm going with like, kind of like, I don't want to call it a rainbow theme, but it's very like, it's very like color, bright colors. It's oh, not like a me. traditional. I love bright colors. Yeah. But we'll see how it goes. So
1: Mine was kind of traditional. I had pomegranates and pears Fun. and greenery and yeah. flowers kind of poked in. Love that. And so it was... It was really wonderful. And the pies. Uh, the pies. Okay, second peak really quickly. And I have no pits, so this is good. Yeah. Second peak was I went on Saturday with Neely. Neely came with me. So nice. It was such a nice trip. We went to Edmund. We I picked up my pies at Rail Yard Pies. I had a coffee and, and a burrito summer at Summer Moon. Um, so I walk into the pie shop. You guys, Lynn's son and like – seven or eight other people are having a bluegrass jam session at the pie shop in the front of the pie shop. They start at like 10 10:30 every so Saturday fun. morning and they play. The smiles on the people's faces in the pie shop were next level. I mean there was Aww. a cute little old couple sitting listening to the music and enjoying a slice of pie. Lynn came straight up, gave me the biggest hug. We talked for like 10 minutes in the middle of the Thanksgiving pie rush. She was just absolutely lovely. The pies are delicious. She said they have a semi, a refrigerated semi truck parked in the parking lot.
2: For, of the pie for shop
1: Wednesday? for Wednesday for all of the ingredients, all the eggs. I mean, it was like 10,000 eggs or something. It was like a ridiculous number of eggs. All the pies are in this refrigerated truck.
0: Oh, my gosh. Because we're picking ours up on Wednesday.
1: Uh, you better – I mean, it was it, – it, well, it wasn't – packed. I mean, it was packed. Well, the, there was definitely
0: – The way that they did it, though, is I have a time slot.
1: Oh, you have a time slot. Okay. Yeah. So then they'll have it in there. Yeah. They'll have pulled it from the refrigerated truck. But so we had the apple cranberry was yes. my absolute favorite. The pumpkin was delicious. And then we had key lime.
0: Oh, that's right. You did key lime.
1: I might have a, sl- it's just downhill from here till Christmas, people. Yes. I'm just going to worry about it after Christmas. So it was really wonderful. What, what happened? What happened in your life? What went down?
0: Um. Okay. So I guess I'll do my pit first. Well, my pit is that I, on Friday, my kids had appointments for flu shots. Oh. And they've had this like weird cough. And I was like, you know what? I was like, 'Cause you can't get a flu shot if oh if on you're sick or antibiotics or if you're sick. Gotcha. So I was like, I'm gonna call the doctor. Thankfully the doctor saw us at five twenty on a Friday. And sure enough, Huffman had pneumonia. Oh, Neely's had that twice. Which like way to feel like I'm the mm-hmm. worst mom in the world. I, he was perfectly, and she made it sound like pneumonia in children is not as scary. It
1: doesn't or, seem like as as scary. But as, it's not still, like us getting pneumonia. the fact
0: that he had pneumonia, just like whatever, and then Campbell had an ear infection. So now they're both on antibiotics. But like they both had this cough, and their cough sounded the same. But then they both had two different things. Did they give you the cracker? What's the cracker? Well, when Neely had had pneumonia, it was like a plastic,
1: like. I don't know, kind of knob looking thing that was had a handle. And it came around like this. And you were supposed to go like this on her chest to like break up all the stuff
0: inside. She was like basically saying his case was really mild because when she said the word pneumonia, like I freaked freaked out. out. Yeah. And she was like, no, no, no. Like, we're just going to put him on like a kind of a stronger antibiotic. And if he's not better by Monday today, he I heard him cough maybe once. Okay, good. So
1: once they get pneumonia, though, I think they're sort of more likely to get it again. Then, really? Yeah, because she has had got, got it a second time oh, when she was older.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then came a lot of ear infection. So oh, I'm glad that like, I kids. literally called, so our appointment for the flu shots was at 4 p.m. I called at 1 p.m. and was like, we need to be seen so like yeah, the fact that we're we were able to the be shot. seen was yeah. like incredible so I'm or really, would have been a really long weekend really long weekend so <sighs> i mean but anyway and then my peak i think my peak was how productive i was this weekend same with jeff Amy. we moved campbell into her into the guest room okay which is now her room her room is completely cleared ready to be painted so for the, the guest room like downstairs on the right is campbell's room uh on yeah on the left Like the other, it's on the other side. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So she has her own little like bathroom, like we're calling it the princess pad because she's Uh kind of a princess, Mm -hmm. which is, it is what it is. Lucky Campbell. Lucky Campbell. But yeah, so the ready is, like the room is ready to be painted. Moved her completely into her room. Jeff cleaned out the garage. What? He cleaned, we sold probably four pieces of furniture and I cleaned out the playroom. I mean, when I tell you that we were both, like, working from when the kids got up. You're nesting, Emmy. Yes, I think Uh I'm nesting. But, like, I cleaned up, like, trash bags full of toys, and we have toys to donate. Where did the
1: toys come from? That's what I cannot understand.
0: It's like they multiply and have babies. You didn't even buy them, and they just show up. Well, that's the thing is, like, I... Christmas last year I kind of had like a mini panic attack I shouldn't even say it was a panic attack because I've had a real one it was not really but I had like looking at the stuff that they opened and then look taking it up into the playroom adding it on to all the other stuff yeah and so this year I was like we're not doing that like so I cleared out so much space and like if it's I hope it stays with some space but it won't
1: it won't in a matter of seconds yeah. it will all be filled up again and you don't even know where the stuff came well, from i never even really went to the toy store and stuff appeared
0: that's the thing is like this year Jeff and i decided we're giving the kids very minimal stuff and we instead sprung for like a play set like a wooden oh, play set for oh. the backyard because with three you'll I, love that you have with to with three that. kids yes. getting them all to the park ke- t- like keeping yeah. an eye on all of them it might be too much so i'm excited to have a place like at our home it's like a great it's cedar it's really pretty have they installed it yet <laughs> well that's the funny part is because of the pandemic we're like oh yeah it's gonna take months to get here came in three days from Home Depot oh all of the parts need to be assembled though oh, so is I'm Jeff like,
1: gonna do that this
0: after Thanksgiving <laughs> well that's the thing is like we're trying to figure do not out do that Jeff logistics of like does like there's no way to hide it and then be no. like Santa came, and there's no way Jeff is putting that together at midnight on Christmas no. Eve. So, you need a professional to put this together, Emmy. I don't know. Doesn't Jeff... Home Depot provide the service that they'll put it together? So, just spring for it. Here's the thing I huh. think Jeff wants to do it. You know, he wants to do this. He's gonna
1: have to have help. You can't put that whole thing together, one person.
0: Well, I think my dad will probably want to help too. I think we'll see. I don't know. I, I, I'm i kind of staying out. out of here. I'm pregnant, I'm out. I can't. Yeah. T- I can't. Help. I can't. Yeah. I mean, although wood beams, like, some of them are probably heavy, but some of them I could probably really help with. But, like, anyway. so. But people were like, oh, toy shortages and supply chain and whatever. And none of that has affected our Christmas shopping.
1: (laughs) Like. I hope it doesn't affect my Christmas shopping since I haven't started. But I have gotten PowerPoint presentations from both my kids. Oh, yeah. One Excel spreadsheet, one PowerPoint presentation.
0: Oh, okay.
1: okay. One of the presentations has a
0: car on it. I'm guessing that's Neely. That's Neely. I had to pay
1: for half my car. Nearly uh, couldn't, nearly couldn't get a car if she even had to pay for the gas. <laughs> okay, she there's no, no savings, zero zilch. Well,
0: you went to Stanford Business School, uh, so I'm looking at you. G- you wouldn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> you would not know it. So <laughs> maybe that would be a good implementation. Although mm-hmm. she needs to get a job. It's hard to right. You need she, to get a job.
1: She needs a job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know where she was going to get money without a job. Yeah, that's true.
0: Well, I had allowance. I had to save. Oh, yeah. I got like. I don't even know how much. And, then, like, we were supposed to put half towards our car. And so if you didn't that month, then... Then you were. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, my parents were strict. They were strict. They I actually sent strict. me... Uh, they sent me a calendar for something. And I looked at the format and I was like, this looks weirdly familiar. And then I realized it was the same calendar my dad had used for our chores and allowance. He's gave that to you as a grown up? Yes, like a couple of weeks <laughs> what was ago. He trying to tell I was you? like, this is triggering that this calendar. Like it was like whatever preset calendar that you can download off the internet. The huh. same one that I got in like nineteen whatever whatever. Like it literally looked the exact same and my siblings were dying. I was like, This calendar looks oddly familiar. I'm surprised you didn't put any chores on it. Oh. Like, here's what you need to be doing. No, yeah. I mean all of our chores and our allowance. He like put it on the days.
1: I wish I was more organized. Oh, oh. I just cannot
0: anyway well okay yeah wishing everybody know, a happy you Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving. Week.
1: I hope everybody gets a chance to sit with their family and yeah enjoy and each other's company
0: what oh my peak was getting organized Richard is holding our ph- the phone I'm trying to speed this along for him and then he just asked me a question so um but yeah and then our podcast will come out on Thursday so maybe you can take I think it's gonna a be a long walk or long. Something. But, yeah, an hour and a half to yourself to listen. It's really interesting. Yes. We, this is the second week in a row, I think, that we have really
1: just Learned soaked up a lot of information. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think this is worth listening to because you may know someone who needs this this service. So
0: I know that's what we were trying to do. It needs this program. So
1: definitely. Dr. Douglas Hortzmanshoff is co-director of Integris Advanced Cardiac Care and the program director of the Heart Failure Institute at Integris Baptist Medical Center in Oklahoma City. Dr. Doug came to Oklahoma City in 2005 to serve patients suffering from advanced heart failure with a complete array of services, including personalized medical management, heart transplantation, and left ventricular assist devices. Dr. Doug was raised in Michigan and earned his undergraduate degree at Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He attended medical school at Northwestern University School of Medicine in Chicago, Illinois, and was elected to the Alpha Omega Alpha Medical Honor Society while there. Subsequently, he completed internship and residency in internal medicine, followed by a fellowship in cardiovascular disease at Washington University in St. Louis, Barnes Jewish Hospital. He also served as chief resident for the internal medicine training program, providing administrative and educational oversight to approximately 150 medical residents. He received advanced training as the Hawes Fellow in Heart Failure and Cardiac Transplantation at Washington University, which was followed by a faculty appointment there until moving to Oklahoma. He is board-certified in both cardiovascular disease and advanced heart failure and cardiac transplantation by the American Board of Internal Medicine. As co-director of the Advanced Cardiac Care Team at Integris, Nazi Zudi Transplant, Transplant Institute, Dr. Doug has always focused on individualized patient care with a human touch while utilizing the most advanced heart therapies available in the state of Oklahoma. He and the IACC team have made important contributions to research in the field of advanced heart failure with publication in medical journals, including the New England Journal of Medicine. He is also an internationally active educator and speaker with a passion for educating healthcare providers and patients about heart failure and mechanical circulatory support. Dr. Doug is married to his college sweetheart and has three children. Welcome to Action City, Dr. Doug.
2: Looking for your voice to be heard? Have a passion and want to share it with those of a common mindset? Have a business or brand that needs to get the word out but don't know where to advertise? contact black and studios a full spectrum cutting edge podcast studio that services clients from all over the country black and studios offers you more than just a podcast we offer you an experience in-house production from audio video recording editing marketing advertisement and exposure with over thousands of people listening weekly black and studios doesn't hesitate to back local businesses so when you want your voice heard, Blacken Studios has your back. Search Blackened Studios on all social platforms. Email at podcast at blackinstudios.com or visit us at blackinstudios.com. And remember, it's Blackened.
1: Good morning. How are you? I'm good,
3: Catherine. How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We're, we're on a road show. We're on a road show, you guys. This is only our second road show. You, Richard's got all this like equipment set up. It's very fancy.
0: But we're at Integris. We're at Integris, right down the road. Right down the road from the studio. But I love Integris. This is where I had all my children. Every time we drive by, all my kids are like, That's where I was born. Oh, isn't that I, I mean. still do that at St. Anthony's. That's where right. I was born. I still say, That's yeah. where I was born
1: that's to actually, my kids at 48 right. years old. It's I funny mean, how
3: we do that. Yeah. <laughs> What's
1: wrong with us? Oh my god. Well, we're so excited. My friend Shay has been really wonderful, and she's been telling me for several months that we needed to talk to you. And so we're here. We want to hear your story and we want to talk about Integrate, advanced cardiac care. And so let's get started. Yes.
3: Well, I'm excited to be here too. And I'm excited to be able to share, you know, in a long format, kind of the story of this place. And it's been a pretty interesting story. And I think it's a a real gem um, right here in Oklahoma City that I still think is, it's known, but it's not really known in terms of what we've done and the types of things that have been happening right in the backyard of uh, all of our friends and colleagues here in Oklahoma. So I guess a little bit about me to start. Um, yes, I always get a little us. uncomfortable yes. talking about myself. I know we like to
1: know from the beginning. Yeah. You know, tell us understood. where you're born. Yes. Oh,
3: we're going way, go back. way back. Yeah. So I was born at Butterworth Hospital in Grand Rapids, Michigan, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so when you go that far back, like we are just sharing. So yeah. So born and raised in Michigan. Um, Mom was a, a LPN nurse, and my father was a public school teacher. Oh,
4: wow. Um,
3: didn't listen to my mom very well. She told me never to go into medicine. It was just <laughs> too difficult and too hard. I uh, just didn't listen very well to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, from a young age, I was pretty interested in being a, a physician. I had some... Experiences as a kid where I had a heart murmur, that oh, they you didn't did? know what it was, and I went through all this mm-hmm. testing. I even had a heart cath when I was like five or six years old. Did you I, really? Yeah, I still remember it, laying there on the table and watching oh the dye shoot through. And they said, "Oh my gosh, feel. my
0: husband did no, that, and he's no. he was like loving it, and mm-hmm. I would have passed out in seconds."
3: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, I I remember laying there, a little hit of valium. I remember the, the words
4: being used. <laughs> I
3: remember them telling me they gave me some value. I remember just kind of laying there watching and you it, it and thought it was pretty cool. And and they kept kids overnight in the hospital for these things at the time. So it was just kind of one of those formative things. And uh, they told me for years that I had a, a bicuspid aortic valve. But then later in life, I went through when I was in training – Went and got an MRI and looked, and they said your your valve's fine. So I go back to just this idea that the technology wasn't, wasn't so great good. back then. Yeah, wasn't so, so great.
1: What, what do you think the problem could have been? I
3: think it was just a flow murmur that I grew out of. Probably that's what my daughter. Yeah, asked. I was a very thin kid, and no. you know, could probably hear things really well, but there was really
0: nothing. <laughs> there was no fat. To yeah, bad. there was
3: nothing <laughs> there. That's exactly it. You know. Wow. So what? I think that's likely. You know, one of those formative things that at least attracted me in that.
0: Direction. I mean, you're saying it was so formative. But as a mm-hmm. mom, I can't mm-hmm. imagine your mom was like, "Thank, oh my gosh, this is such a great experience to have oh, my no, son getting a heart cath." Right <laughs> no. Like not I'm just all. like thinking on the other side, it's like, "Oh my no. gosh, you know, yeah. I'm glad that ended up being a positive experience yeah, for
3: you." I, and I think there's, I, I never remember my mom being panicked or frightened or showing well, sh- any I guess of that being stuff. A nurse, and being a nurse, yeah. I think oh, she right. just was kind of matter of fact, and this is what we got to go do, and we'll go get through it, and and it was okay. I don't, I don't ever remember being really freaked out. or – or a whole lot Up scared fast. or anything like that it was just like okay we'll just kind of go do this stuff so so that that kind of went into i just knew i wanted to be a doctor and and finished you know high school in battle creek michigan and then i went to a little place in grand back to grand rapids michigan a small college called calvin college it was between there and the university of michigan and i got in both places and i could have gone either place um you didn't want to do Oh, I would have loved to do it. <laughs>
0: okay, I was going to say, I, I, I had say, a cousin I, who went there. It looked really good. Ann Arbor's kind of amazing, yeah. you know,
3: but I, I got some money to go to Calvin and. And I think it was a really good choice in the yeah, end. Yeah. You know, I probably a more
1: personalized experience.
3: Totally. Yeah. You know, and grew up a fairly protected life, that kind of stuff. You know, I, I think if I would have gone to Ann Arbor, wow. I could have been super distracted and who knows. <laughs> Might have taken you a little had.
1: longer. Holy yeah, to, crap, if, if I made
3: it at all, right? You know? right, right. <laughs> and so um, you know, went to this kind of small conservative college, which was ended up being great. And then, you know, had some pretty darn key life experiences there. Number one of which I met my wife, you know, oh, and you so, did. Yeah. In we college? started dating like oh. halfway through my, our freshman year and dated for three and a half years. And, Got married straight out of college, basically. And uh, that was pretty amazing. So that's. Was the she most also from Mich- Michigan? She must She's been from Ohio, from Northeast oh, okay. Ohio. and so More in Ohio. Uh, the Warren Youngstown area, little tiny uh, town called Newton Falls. And My mom's so, from Ohio. Okay. But yeah. I don't
1: know that yeah. place. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that tiny little
3: spot. Got to tell you, there's not, there's, there's not much to remember there for her. She's <laughs> yeah. just like so. Thanks your your for getting wife me out knew what she self. was signing
1: up for. She knew you wanted to be a doctor. She, knew Ooh, she was definitely do knew that
3: I for... wanted to be a doctor, and she was definitely in on the journey. And yeah. thank goodness that she was. You know, I mean, it's a heck of a journey.
0: I can't imagine. Um,
3: no, it's it's kind of crazy. So um, the other kind of formative thing that I think really set me up for the the medical journey. Um, was I had an opportunity that I learned about before I even started in my freshman year that there was a, a fellow student who had Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. And he was gonna need a, a personal care attendant and wanted, you know, two students who were maybe interested in the pre-med program, which I'd kind of signed up for. That was kind of how they worked it, knowing that that was synergy. The family knew that yeah. was synergy. Uh, his name was Mike. And so um, I lived with Mike for two out of the four years that we were there. He and my roommate um, uh, was the other personal care attendant. And we both provided care for Mike to get through college. And that was wow, full oh care. Gosh. Mike could move. He could didn't get around. He required, you know, dressing and toileting and feeding. And, you know, it's a progressive, inevitable disease, you know. And so, you know, the the th- we did it first and third years of, of college. And, um, you know, you can see he him he also in college with you? He was, yeah. Yeah. So he was a year ahead of me. So he was a sophomore. I stayed in the dorms an extra year and then went and took care of him his senior year in the apartments again. or we worked together that year again. And so oh really got a taste of the the day-to-day, you know, two years of, of just really going to school, like, caring yeah. for a person, getting them up, you know, doing showers, doing yeah. toileting, you know. so. So when, <laughs> when uh, you know, sometimes when the nurses say, well, you can do this, I say, well, I, I actually have done this. Not quite the same <laughs> as you, you, you know, right. and it's different, but
1: uh, it, but like,
3: uh, we've done that. You you've got to so. be pretty
1: mature as an 18, 19-year-old to sign up to do something like that. Yeah, you know,
3: I guess, yeah. I you would know. say I mean, so. You're not, you not
0: playing beer pong. You're
3: no. somebody. No, absolutely like, not. There was none of that. I mean, you had to, you know, be be responsible. We kind of rotated times and places, and you know, met between classes. But you're right. There was no,
4: yeah. no, just
3: kind of taking off or goofing around or you know, being away at night and to help them set up and be around to help out if he needed it. So, yeah. so that was pretty formative, and I think that really led then to, you know, being. Uh, you know, I think that was pretty key to showing that I had the, the heart for people and being able right. to be with people um, that led then to getting into med school, you know, so went to med school at Northwestern university and in, uh, in Chicago and that was great, you know, so we get married straight out of college. My wife had literally never been to Chicago in her whole life. Um, she graduates as a special <laughs> education teacher. We have no job. All we know is that I'm going to college.
1: What's that? Something's happening. Mm-hmm.
3: There's they changed their fire mind. Fire alarm, code alarm, whatever the case may be.
1: Okay, I think we were at the your wife had never been to Chicago Yeah,
3: never been to Chicago. So here we are, you know, straight out of college, get married, head to Chicago, um, special ed teacher, no job. Um, So fortunately, within a few weeks, she found a job dealing with the uh, special needs kids in Chicago, the kids that were a little too rough for the public schools to take. She worked at a little private school. Um, I think a big, big, solid $18,000, $19,000 a year living in Chicago, you know situation has been resolved your
1: lockdown situation has been resolved yay that's a quick resolution for a whole lockdown i mean if you're going to issue a lockdown situation you think it wouldn't take three minutes to resolve i I I mean
0: well okay when i had huffman though I like took his bassinet yeah. in the hallway to take him on oh. a walk and I didn't realize but that's I locked right. down the whole that's, floor. That's oh, okay. exactly
3: mm-hmm. the kinds of stuff um, that can happen. Instant so mistakes. Like, you're like, I can't kind of believe stuff. that
0: resolved. No, literally this <laughs> nurse came out and was like, you can't do yep. that. And she was like, there's an alarm. I guess uh, yep. there's an alarm on the, the bassinet. Yeah. 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 And there's it,
3: pediatric it, offices here if a kid wandered um, away. Or
0: yes. Something. So yeah. I like, as that was happening, I was like, oh my God, did this happen when I did that with Huffman? Because I just
3: wanted to walk around.
0: On the hallway True. with him because I don't know what yeah, anyway,
3: yeah. So we get there and we do four years in med school in Chicago, which was which was great. Were you, you know? guys
0: the only married
1: couple in your oh, class? We, or were there there some were other- not many
3: of us. There, there were a few. There were a few, but not many. You know, you could kind of tell we were the kind of. I don't know. We weren't any older, but oh, you know, right. certainly, yeah. I guess, a little further along in life already. Kinds of stuff, you know. So well, I feel like
0: a med student you know, just doesn't have time, right? So yeah. if you haven't met your partner in undergrad, right? right. Like medical school is probably a really not the time it, to It's it's a tough time yeah. to be
3: doing that, yeah. and Building relationships and stuff like yeah. that. I don't disagree, but so that was wonderful. And then from there, we did the infamous med school match day, you know, which is oh, this God. bizarre experience where you, you know, it's like interview. Rush, kind of. Yeah, kind of. But you interview at these different places around the country. You you make this rank list of where you'd like to go. They've got a rank list of if they like you. That actually it all is goes just into like the Rush. computer. <laughs> yeah, it all goes in the computer and it spits out. Here's your first, second, third, fourth choice that will actually take you. And then um, you know that all works out. So it's this incredibly anxiety ridden day in, in March and uh, I mean it's March of '96 and I ended up matching at the place I wanted to go to, okay. which was uh, 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 Washington University in Saint. Louis or Barnes-Jewish Hospital in St. Louis. And why was and, that your first choice? You know, it just had everything I was looking for. It was, you know, a, an incredibly um, respected internal medicine training program at the time. Um the the people there though is what really attracted me there. The I remember going there on one of the interview days and they were doing what they called pizza rounds and, and this was every Friday. They would have the house staff get together, people would unwind at the end of the week, you know, have a slice of pizza, talk over your week, sit with the program director, go through stuff. They had a, a birthday party for one of the chief residents. You know, you could just really see that they kind of cared about for their a family. people. Yeah. And I learned that later when the fellowship director said, Look, Man, I can get smart people anywhere, but I'm looking for people that are smart and nice. You oh, know, that's and nice. and that was his philosophy. And it's probably whole, not
0: as easy to find in
1: medicine No,
3: that, no. and and as it's challenging hope, sometimes yeah. to find that package, you know? which is
0: so weird to me because mm-hmm. you would think as a doctor that would automatically like be a part of the job description, right? Because yeah. you're having to deal with people, but. Yeah. It is interesting when I meet doctors who are not very personable. That's right. Right. You're sure. Like you're very yeah. smart, though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know
3: how the empathy can get kind of yeah. Out the sometimes, empathy, right? totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so did the next uh, almost ten years. Then all in St. Louis. So we so nice. spent there. Had our first two kids there. Um, did all my training there. Internal medicine residency. Worked for a year as a hospitalist. Um, did my cardiology fellowship there, as well as. Was my year of advanced heart failure and transplant So training.
1: at what point in time mm-hmm. did you choose cardiology? Yeah. How
3: far along It wasn't until uh, into my third year you of, know, residency? Th- of, of residency. Okay. I toyed around with actually infectious disease. I was pretty intrigued by HIV medicine at the time. Which you know?
0: now, but wow.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty intrigued been, by it. And what's fascinating as I look back is that, you know, the infectious disease piece of it dealing with a chronic life-threatening condition that had medical therapies being developed Mm -hmm. to make a difference for and required deep involvement with your patients, well, this is pretty much the world of heart failure. Right. You know, it's a lifelong progressive disease once you get it, you know, that we have great therapies that can make life longer and better for a long, long time, but it requires deep involvement and and, uh, meticulous care. Okay. So, so, what
0: is heart failure like at like the Mm -hmm. base? Yeah. Uh, Because I... I mean, stuff like this interests yep. me so much, True. more on, the, like, the prevention side. True.
3: Absolutely. And
0: I know that we were talking earlier that a lot of this could be genetic. I mean, it's not all just yeah. lifestyle. So Absolutely I'm just not. curious. Like, Absolutely heart failure not. is yep. considered...
3: Yeah. And like, this is a very common challenge, you know. So this is part of when I left WashU to come here to Oklahoma City back in 2005, this is what the need was. Right. Is that there was nobody here in the area that was board-eligible, you know, fellowship trained to do heart failure. We had people who did heart failure and did it well, all right? Right. But to come to this town and really now elevate the care of this condition we call heart failure. So what is it, right? Right. So so this is really the starting question. What is heart failure? And so I start people off with this reminder. All heart failure means – is the syndrome which is a collection of symptoms okay syndrome means collection of symptoms oh gosh, all it means even... is shortness of breath okay water retention and fatigue what that's what heart failure is Now, the question then... I'm pregnant right now, so I'm like, wait. (laughs) And (laughs) now everybody listening goes, oh (laughs) God, I have heart failure, (laughs) right? So we are talking about more than I feel puffy and I get a little tired. You know, this is truly where it's that... I'm having a hard time doing my normal activities. Right. So a hard time getting up
1: off the couch and have going into the kitchen a hard time walking and-
3: through the house, have a hard time, you know. And a lot of times people world people's worlds just start to shrink when they begin to develop this syndrome or these collection of symptoms. It can be very gradual. And this is
0: just sure. Like your heart organ failing. Yes. So like so, and you just don't even realize, correct. right? Correct.
3: It's often insidious, it's sneaky. So let's move from the symptoms what we you know the syndrome that we call heart failure, which is shortness of breath, water, and tension fatigue, to the causes, right? right. And so the, the reality is, is that there's a laundry list of causes of heart failure. Now, what we think of most commonly and what we do a lot of here is dealing with the weakened heart, okay? The heart that doesn't pump blood with the strength out of the heart or the ventricle that pumps the blood is not as strong as it should be. But it can also happen with a very stiff heart. A heart can be actually of normal strength, Mm -hmm. but be very stiff. And And it doesn't relax properly sometimes, but there's also other causes. People who have years of high blood pressure can get a thickened, stiffened heart. People who have a genetic condition called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. There's what we call restrictive cardiomyopathies. There's something called amyloidosis, which is a process that proteins that don't belong there infiltrate into the heart muscle as well as other tissues and cause it to become very stiff. There can be problems with the sac around the heart where the pericardial sac that surrounds the heart can become thick like a suit of armor and prevent the heart from expanding and filling and and being able to fill properly. So blood backs up and people get water retention, shortness of breath and fatigue as a result of that. When you're saying water
0: retention, mm -hmm. you're talking like major... Like,
3: well, yeah, more than I feel kind of puffy after eating a bunch of salt or after something like anything, that. So Correct, that? like yeah. we What's do. What's it called? Anemia, edema, edema. So, pretty Sorry, not- typically, people will get edema in their legs, which can be you know uh, pitting where you can squeeze your ankles and leave fingerprints behind. Okay, yeah. Not, and if it goes away when you put your feet up at the end of the day, and it's gone in the morning little less likely that's from the heart. You know, it still could be, but it's less likely. This is stuff that doesn't go away. It's getting worse. People may feel very tight and bloated in the belly and the abdomen, that the Mm -hmm. abdomen can become congested. They can then begin, especially if the heart is weak, they can start to have trouble lying down at night because when the blood levels out and goes back to the heart, the pressures go up even higher, which makes it hard to breathe when you're laying down, prop up on some pillows, maybe sit up trying to catch your breath in the middle of the night. There's a whole host of symptoms that can go along with that. Coughing, you know. But the big one is the really the shortness of breath with activity. You know, the, the edema comes later. The swelling comes later. But that shortness of breath doing stuff becomes pretty noticeable. It gets yeah. to the point you can't ignore it anymore.
0: Like I mean, it's just in your daily life absolutely. doing random things. It's and not I,
3: like- I think of, of young people I've seen. I You know, this, this is a disease that doesn't care how old you are are you know i've i've had 17 year olds come in with this you know we're wow. literally you know hey was playing football and doing two days over the summer and he's like boy dad i'm having a tough time kind of getting through the practices and they're like okay well why don't you take a break for a little bit and it's like do some light training in the weight room or whatever it's like hey dad i can't finish my stuff on the treadmill anymore you know it's like well all right let's Kind of see how you do. All of a sudden, Dad, I can't get up and walk across the room, and I can't breathe when I'm sleeping at night, you know, and show up.
1: Along the way, Mm -hmm. somebody like that, what are things that they – that can be mistaken for. I mean... In
3: everything. You know, pe- the most common thing that it gets mistaken for is upper respiratory infections. They'll go to an urgent care. Mm-hmm. And they'll go to their family doctor. Like
1: my husband, the quick clinic is his doctor's right. primary and, care and, and so
3: they'll be treated for an upper respiratory infection, a bronchitis. They'll, be, they'll have a cough. They'll be a little short of breath. Most previously healthy people don't have a lot of swelling until it gets pretty bad down the road. And so they'll be treated sometimes two, three, four, five times for upper respiratory... Infections and it does nothing. Right, it helps mm-hmm. not at all.
0: Right, the cough isn't right. So they'll get right. some
3: inhalers and they feel a little bit better for a while, but it doesn't really make a difference. So that's one that that's very common to get mistaken for, or like and an then, asthma or
0: something. Yeah,
3: exactly. Okay, exactly. And then older people will blame it on anything else. Right, <laughs> I'm, I'm fat, I'm old, I got to stop smoking, I'm out of shape. Mm-hmm. Human beings have this very clear thing that we do we love to diagnose ourselves
1: oh yeah and the internet makes that a thousand times we go
3: to the internet but all we can know about a diagnosis is what we know in our brains yeah so you diagnose from the data set that you have the whole point of going to medical school and training as a physician and a care provider is to have a much bigger list of things so that we can be more accurate about what we're probably diagnosing And that's key to take those symptoms and not try to diagnose it yourself. But to say something's truly not right and be bold to say, I really don't feel good. What else could this be?
1: My mother-in-law and loves to diagnose mm-hmm. herself. Just saying so you no. Know. <laughs> last do. night she was diagnosing herself and she said exactly what you said. Well, I woke up and I went to the internet and then I
3: figured out what it was. That's what she told me. That's what they do. <laughs> That's what, <it laughs> That's <me>. what everybody <laughs> loves to do. And they don't want to inconvenience their physician. They don't want to make trouble. And, and there's also secondary gain to this by not notifying the doctor because then They're going to make me spend money. They're going to come to the office. It's going to be inconvenient. I got to do a test. I got to do an x ray. I got to do something that I really don't want to do because maybe this is just going to get better. But I go back to the point breathing is important. When you can't (laughs) breathe, you probably should go get that checked out because there's not a lot of good things that is most of the time. Maybe it's reversible or fixable, but there's not a lot of good things that that is often.
1: So, how do people end -hmm. up in your
0: office? So, they don't just go from.
3: Yep. You know,
0: I can't breathe to yeah. you. What happened? can I ask one more medical oh, yes. question? Oh, yeah, please. What's the difference between heart failure and a heart attack?
3: Yes, good question. Uh, or
0: a stroke, I guess. Good question. Yeah, like...
3: Good questions.
0: Because I feel like those could probably...
3: Very commonly yeah. misconstrued, okay? okay? So heart failure is what we just talked about, okay? Right. Shortness of breath, water retention, fatigue. The true definition of a heart attack, and you will find doctors using this term imprecisely, but if we're going to be precise... Yeah. A myocardial infarction or heart attack is an artery of the, blo- of the heart that supplies blood to the muscle of the heart that becomes blocked suddenly, all right? So literally, that blood is flowing normally to the heart muscle. One moment, the next moment, a plaque ruptures, a blood clot cuts off the blood flow to the heart, and that muscle begins to suffer and die. And that's what we get with this... Elephant on my chest, you know, it just feels bad, the heavy chest pressure, that's a heart attack. Now, a heart attack is a cause of heart failure, Mm, right? Because it makes the heart weak, right? Right, right, You kill enough of the muscle, Mm -hmm. the heart gets weak. And it's actually the most common cause of a weak heart in the United States is blocked arteries, okay? But a true heart attack is the sudden loss of blood flow to part of the heart. Now, there's other kinds of things that we call myocardial infarctions, Okay. A chronic blockage little blood vessels that are blocked maybe your heart needed to deliver more um, uh, work than what the oxygen supply could give it so that it hurts the heart a little bit but a true heart attack is a blocked blood vessel now a stroke is a heart attack of the brain right, in the brain, right? right? Mm-hmm. so so it's yeah, a brain right. attack not even you know as, yeah. uh, now That's- the source of that clot that goes to the brain might be from the heart kind of commonly is right can come from the arteries in the neck, you know, can be from a blocked artery up there. But it's really a brain attack, you know. So heart attack is dead heart. Brain attack or a stroke stroke is 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 dead dead brain. brain. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's okay. okay. And
3: that's why they're both emergencies. (laughs) Right. Well, but it sounds
0: like a heart attack seems Mm -hmm. like more sudden. Yeah. Kind of more... The feeling of emergency. Then what heart failure and is. And then heart failure mm-hmm. sounds like it can be That's over, right. over a long time. That's right.
3: You can live with heart failure for 10, 15 years. Yeah. I oh mean, my gosh, and you can be living with this for a long time. So, you know, how people get to me, I, I think we tell a story of of, you know, kind of the current reality versus what the fantasy would be. Right. You mm-hmm. know, what we'd love mm-hmm. to see you know. So what's the reality? The reality today is that we kind of get uh, in our program of of Integrous advanced cardiac care and the advanced heart failure team here, um, we get a little bit pigeonholed as we're the advanced therapy people. Like we just like do heart transplants and LVADs. You have to be at the end. You know, boy, things have to be really bad to go see that guy. You know, and, Dr.
4: Doug. <laughs> yeah, you
3: know, and there's a little bit of that. And I've got multiple partners that I'm blessed to work with who do work like I do, um, and that's. kind of what we hear is that things have to be really bad. So often when people come to us, they've been living with this condition for many, many years, and they've been deteriorating and their you know symptoms are are really quite dramatic. Maybe they're having trouble getting through their home, maybe they've been hospitalized multiple times. For uh, swelling that couldn't be taken care of at home, um, maybe to the point where the heart is so weak it's unable to supply oxygen, uh, blood—you know—enough uh, blood to the body to supply the oxygen it needs, and so organs start to shut down, and literally kidneys fail, and breathing fails, and liver is congested. Those are so obvious to providers, to to other care providers, that you can't miss it. So then we yeah. get the phone call: Can you help this person? Um, the other end of things tends to be the weird cases, you know, emergencies, these other weird kind of diseases that I mentioned, maybe a heart attack that ended up just taking somebody from being very healthy to very sick very quickly, quickly. you know, where if the heart didn't get its uh, artery opened up fast enough, they can have bad damage to the heart and, and maybe they don't bounce back from that very quick. Lots of people can, but not everybody can, uh, automatically does. So that's another group. And then I think the, the people that tend to be young with new diagnoses, genetic myopathies, will often get those kind of early on. Our, our biggest thing is we wish we could get to people a little bit sooner.
0: I was going to ask you this because somebody recently in my life was like, "Yeah, yeah I, I got a heart scan, and now I have to be on medication for the rest of my life." Yep. In my mind, when they said this to me, I was like, "Well, wouldn't that make you be like, like, mm-hmm. wouldn't that make you want to yeah. like?" dive in further sure and so i'm wondering if people are just kind of like getting sort of <laughs> band-aids right mm-hmm. instead of like mm-hmm. going into the further issues
3: yeah, yeah. well I, I think it's a great point you know it, there is being diagnosed with any illness mm-hmm. creates a lot of grief
0: yeah, yeah.
3: And sometimes when you know something's wrong, you already are in those stages of denial that something's wrong, right? And so people who get a diagnosis of heart failure, heart attack, cancer, doesn't matter what it is, you grieve for yourself, right? Right. And so denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, and we kind of move through this over time. So I think a little bit about what you say is that there's some grief, right? I had a scan, it showed a problem, and now I have to take medicine, So on one hand, as a physician, I Mm -hmm. look at that and go, that's fantastic. What they aren't thinking about is the fact that the scan they had showed early coronary disease. They didn't have a heart attack. Right. They didn't have a fully blocked artery, but they identified something that could progress over time. So they were put most likely on a statin medication. Right. That is the single most powerful tool we have to dramatically reduce the future chance of having a heart attack. And so instead of saying, gosh, I have to take a medicine for the rest of my life, it's like, I'm really glad I got that done. Sounds
1: like I just saved and my And I've life,
3: dropped right? my chances of having a heart attack mm-hmm. by probably a robust amount over the course of the next 10 years. But human beings don't think about that, right? We tend to think about what's impacting us today, Amazing. what's what's changing about me today, and that's what we do. We always look at whatever was most recent, Um and we react to that, right? Whether it's with diagnosis, right? I got a pill and I felt different two days later. It must be that pill, right? You know, oh, yeah. and, and so just things like that. And we're very bad at deferred gains and looking ahead. So heart failure is one of those things. Gosh. Gotcha. When you have a diagnosis of heart failure, why do we want people early? Is it because I'm a, a, a way better doctor than everybody else? No, that's not the point. The point is... We are built to spend that time and detail and provide that lifelong plan for how to take care of this lifelong condition.
0: Because it is lifelong. It is lifelong. There's no reverse. reverse.
3: We can actually get this disease into Remission. Remission. Yes. So I consciously choose that. Early enough
0: to do that?
1: The
3: earlier the better, right? Like a lot of different things. Okay. Okay. Now we can't make everybody go into remission, but if I find somebody whose heart is weakened, they get to us early in the disease, and we treat them with the toolbox that I'll go through in a minute of options, I have numerous people whose hearts have improved ejection fraction or the strength of the heart goes back to normal or near normal and their symptoms go away. I've got people I've been taking care of. I've been here 16 years. I've got people I've been taking care of for 15 years who came to me with heart failure and weak hearts that many years ago who have still never needed a transplant, never needed an LVAD that we'll talk about a little bit later
4: Okay.
3: um, because those therapies matter. I get a really big charge out of just helping people's hearts get better and right. go into remission, as compared to having to replace the heart with a transplant or something like that, it's great to have. But hey, wouldn't you rather you know take a yeah. few pills in the morning and a few pills at night and go about your day? You know, what right. I mean, yes. As
0: yeah. I'm like right. looking at the LVAD, I'm like, yeah, I don't want that thing well, in my chest. <laughs> most people don't,
3: right? You know, but yes. yet, what a great opportunity or what a great option if no other options are working. That's true. That's that kind is of the very idea. true.
0: Okay, so, so let's talk mm-hmm. about the toolbox. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Yeah, because I want to know.
3: <laughs> so, whenever we, you know, what we kind of talk through is whenever someone shows up to us, the first question is always why, right? So, if you come to us with shortness of breath, water, retention, fatigue, the next question is why. We talked about some of the whys, right? Mm-hmm. You know, weak heart, stiff heart, blocked arteries, you know, valve troubles, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the treatments, right? So, if there's something we can fix, we're going to go fix it, right? If you can have an artery opened up, if you can have your thyroid tweaked, you know, If we can treat you for high blood pressure and and see if that helps, we're going to do those things. So thyroid
0: affects your heart? It
3: sure does. Thyroid affects the whole body. It's the metabolic switch and regulator for the whole body. So too much or too little thyroid. Usually we think of too much being a dominant one. But too little can certainly contribute or create uh, uh, symptoms that make people think it's heart failure. You can get swelling, feel fatigued, feel short of breath. But it's just because your metabolic rate is so low and your thyroid hormone levels are low. Do you low.
0: see that more <laughs> in women or men?
3: Um, you know, I think probably a little bit more in women. Okay. Um, but in terms of, you know, it can affect both both groups, you know. And so really it's about the completeness of thought. You know, and saying, look, these are the things we go through when we look for the whys, right? So if someone comes to us with with a weak heart or any of these other issues, we're going to go through that list of whys. So once we get that figured out, and let's just say we now know we have a weak heart and we're going to have to treat this, okay? Mm -hmm. Whether it's a gene or a heart attack or a virus that hits your heart or whatever the case may be, in the end, we still want to get out the standard toolbox of tools to treat this. So this is where I do think of myself a little bit like a mechanic. You know, I'm a physician, (laughs) but I'm a mechanic and I'm a coach. All right. So these are the two realities of what I do. So as a mechanic for the heart, I use my toolbox of tools, four drawers. Just think of a red craftsman toolbox with four drawers. All right. (laughs) Top drawers, lifestyle. That's how you take care of you. That yeah, matters. I was going to ask like, oh, how yeah. much
0: that
1: It's was up matters. top,
3: all right? So we're going to talk it's about the, that.
1: It so it the, does matter. Yeah.
3: Totally. All okay. right? Second drawer is medications. Okay. Third drawer is electrical treatments. The heart has an electrical system that sometimes needs to be regulated. And the fourth drawer are the fancy things like heart transplants, LVADs, investigational studies. We have some monitoring tools that we can use. So let's talk lifestyle for a minute, all yeah. right? So I summarize this quickly as... Do the stuff that's good for you. Don't do the stuff that's bad for you. All right. That sounds so easy. I I know, but it's tough, (laughs) isn't it? And with lifestyle, um, people always want that magic thing that they can do. Right. Right. And I tell people all the time, look, lifestyle alone is not going to fix Fix your heart. It's a toolbox, right? You don't fix a busted engine with a screwdriver anymore. You cannot think of this. As all I need to do is one thing. I take one supplement. I eat a little bit better. I do this exercise. one thing. E- I exercise yeah. more, and it's just going to make everything okay. Your heart was injured, damaged. That's not a lifestyle thing, right. okay? That's something that happened, all right? So lifestyle matters because not doing those things is going to make our job a lot worse, right? So Don't drink too much alcohol. Alcohol can hurt the heart. So anything over one ounce equivalent per day, I always tease a little bit. Um,
1: how big is this one ounce?
3: Your area? audience <laughs> does not get to determine what a drink is. Okay, <laughs> a drink has been standardized. All <laughs> can you, right? can you one ounce?
0: Does not sound very can big. Can you say twelve save ounce seven beer? Twelve. <laughs> <a drink>, <laughs> you know,
3: that's for a, one that, night. See, that's called binge drinking. Oh. And So you know, no. So I know, and and so it's you know, it's literally a shot of hard alcohol, four ounces of wine, or a twelve ounce beer. Right. That is a drink equivalent. And, and so, you allow
0: your patients
3: one a, one day. One a day. So. Right. Generally, Generally. So, Generally, So my point there is more about, yes, you can have that one per day,
0: mm-hmm.
3: but then every ounce or every beer or every bit after that, it's sort of this sliding scale of risk. Okay. The more and more and more every day, right, the more likely it is to cause a problem. Yeah. And you've got to think some people are at risk for it more than others, right? You know, yeah. so just like we've all known the dude who smokes, you know, 10 packs a day for 40 years and goes, never hurt me, man, ah, and lives yeah. to be 80. Look, that's the that's the exception, that's the envelope, not right, the rule, right? World, right, right. right. So, so that way, people with you know um, cigarettes, drug use, body weight, exercise, you know, those things all matter. So, reduce body weight if if necessary. Stay active. Too often, people with heart disease are told don't do anything, and people are scared. They're yeah, scared to they're... move. And the reality is we have it probably hurts cute good, you know, where it makes you feel bad, mm-hmm. right? So they shut it down. But the reality is we have tons of studies that show anything from stretching and Tai Chi up through high intensity intervals are safe and effective for heart failure patients. Yeah. Why? Because exercise is good for people. 50. Yes. Right. And they're still people, right? And it's still good, <laughs> all right? And so I describe it this way. Just because the engine doesn't work perfectly doesn't mean you can't train the rest of the body or the car to deal with what it gets, right? Yeah, So no, physical training is not just about the heart. It's also about teaching the body and the muscles to be more efficient, mm-hmm. right? And so that's super important. Um The other stuff is don't overdo supplements. You know, people love to just dive into naturopathic stuff. How about eat some vegetables? Absolutely. I mean... Eat food well, yeah, I was not ask, too much, mostly eat real plants. food that mm-hmm. I was gonna plants, ask you kind
0: of yeah. how you felt about this, like I've heard that mm-hmm. there have been studies and I know there are like a million sure, studies, but sure. I've heard that plant based has been yeah. shown to reverse a lot of cardiac issues. So right? so
3: it has the potential to. So when we yeah. go to the hard evidence of randomized controlled trials. Right. There's two studies that have been shown to make a difference for cardiovascular outcomes. Clearly, one is the Atkins type diet. Okay, and that for is real? that is a plant based, heavy duty, you know, kind of. I thought like, Atkins was diet. like
1: meat and cheese. Well, Atkins, that's keto
3: stuff, you know. Oh, so gotcha. yeah, so the the tr- I, I, mean, I want to make sure maybe I, I want to make sure I didn't misspeak that. Maybe you're at Atkins- Nope, I'm not. And it so this is this is, okay. is twenty five years, thirty yes. years ago. Oh okay. yes, that was a big one, yeah. Look at this. Mm-hmm. This is almost purely plant based with very small quantities of animal based protein, of okay. animal-based protein okay. kinds okay. of stuff. Okay. The second one is a diet called the Dash diet. All right. Oh, and that, that too Dash. is is a low sodium, tends to be heavily focused on fruits and vegetables with reductions in red meat, saturated fats, those kinds of things. Now I again say there is no magic in just eating properly, gotcha. but not doing that stuff makes life harder, okay? We know the Mediterranean-style diet is also of, appears to be of good benefit for reducing long-term um, complications from heart disease. Yeah. So that's using olive oil as its primary fat. Remember, mm-hmm. fat still has calories, all right? So it's just using olive oil as its primary fat, lots of fish, lots of vegetables, heavier on the vegetables than the fish, you know? <laughs> and, and so that plant-based eating really... Seems to be the thread that kind of weaves through all so of this. So, you do,
0: here. I guess, because I always, you know, yep. you read these things and you never know if doctors actually True. agree with it yeah. because it's kind of based around, you yeah, know, whatever. Absolutely.
3: And uh, it gets tough, right? Because right. then, you know, you get all these different sources of information and everybody makes it sound great. In the end, you know, all of this parsing this stuff out, you know what? Going to reduce body weight, going to do this stuff. Eat a diet that consists mostly of plants, you know, with healthy nuts, a little bit of lean protein. If you don't lose weight, you need to eat a little less. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. what that, it boils down well, to. Well, I was going to you know? ask
0: you, if, like, if there are any fad diets yeah. that are out there that are, like, terrible for cardiac health.
3: Well, you know, that it's difficult seen. because the, the long-term versus the short-term right. is the challenge, right. you know. And so not a big fan of the heavy-duty, high-fat, high-protein stuff, you know, we're Look, I get that if your metric of success is a little bit of body weight loss, maybe that helps, but that's not a very sustainable long-term eating style. That's probably, I mean, people will say, hey, I, the cholesterol went down here. Okay, great. But it's not a sustainable long-term
0: yeah, eating Yeah, because once you're off, you not yeah. I just don't mm-hmm.
3: think it's a good way to go, you know. So, um, all right. So, we don't get too lost here. Medication um, is next. Medication is critical. Last thing about lifestyle is we recommend a fluid budget and a sodium budget all right and and i use the word budget because with heart failure i go back to the statement why do you get swollen sodium well in this case it's because the body is not releasing all the sodium and fluid that goes into it right so with heart failure your heart is sending signals to your brain your kidneys that you're thirsty and you want more salt so people will want pickles and pickle juice and salty food and it literally triggers the thirst center in the brain, literally tells the brain, drink more. And it tells the kidneys, don't let it back out. Oh, so when people wow. gain weight, gain That's fluid where the weight, water
1: retention it's, comes from. it's
3: just what's going in is more than what's coming out on a daily basis. And if it's only six ounces a day difference over the course of a month, that can add up to... 50 pounds of body weight you know and literally Whoa. we've diuresed people in the hospital you know removed 50 60 we even diuresed people over 100 pounds of water retention because it that's the process that happens so we oh budget God. the fluid 2 liters or 64 ounces of fluid all kinds so uh, soda tea coffee juice water whatever you're drinking adds up to 2 liters and about you're not 2000 two to liters 20- of soda no Two liters of them, all liquid. <laughs> Combine.
0: Okay. That's the list. All yeah, right. Like but liters. we do not
3: advise to drink two liters all of necessarily no, anything. Yeah. You know, all things in moderation. <laughs> right. Because right? people say, can I have a cup of coffee? Yes, you can have a cup of coffee. Can I have a Diet Coke? Yes, you can have a Diet Coke. But do you need to make all two liters of your day a Diet Coke? No. Probably not. All right. So, and then the sodium budget, same thing. 2,000 to 2,500 milligrams a day. The point of that from a coaching perspective is number one, consistency. Mm-hmm. So if you put two liters in every day, then I need to set your medicines to get two liters out, all right? Um, and if you're watching your sodium intake, you're paying attention. You're yeah. thinking, okay? That's that important. That must
0: be tough to do with, like, eating out. I mean, <laughs> it is. Really... It's very hard. Yeah. It's
3: the job of restaurants and food manufacturers to make food that you will come back and eat again. Right. right? And so that's salt. salt, fat, sugar, big portions, yeah. that's what you're gonna do, right? So you have to be in charge. It's not their job to cook for you. You have to be in charge. Right. And so requires some some change, but it's doable. All right. Now, medications, several four medications that have been shown to prolong life, stay out of the hospital, and can cause the heart to go into remission. Right now there's a family of meds, the leader of which is a medication called Secubatril, Valsartin, or Entresto. And this is not an ad for entresto, but entresto is the only one in its class. I feel like there should be. Um, I feel like well, it's seen been that on TV plenty. That I, I yeah, was, I was like a uh, you know. And Entresto is probably our best single agent nowadays for the treatment of weak heart heart failure. It's also shown to have some benefits uh, up to the low end of the stiff heart range. Um, second drugs are the family medicines called beta blockers. There's three yeah, of them: okay. metoprolol succinate, carvedilol, and bisoprolol. Those are the only three. If you're not on one of those, then you are not on an evidence based beta blocker for a weak heart. Okay? okay. Now, if you take it for blood pressure, you can be on a different one. That's fine. But those three are. For for a weak heart. Third medicine is something called spironolactone. It's a weak water pill. We don't use it for water properties, but because it helps the body retain potassium, and more importantly, it blocks one of the hormones that causes damage to the heart and to the body, all right? And actually, all three of those medications block hormones that are harmful to the heart and to the body and cause the water retention, the, you know, the, the thirst. You treat the condition by blocking the hormones. We are locking
2: down. Beth, with the LESCO, can you please call
4: the page operator? Beth, with the LESCO, can you please call the page operator?
3: That's a strange one. We don't get that too often. So, <laughs> so, um, so all three of those medicines block the hormones that cause the heart to get weaker and sicker over time. By doing that, the heart can then start to heal. So, is it
1: a cocktail of those three medicines? Absolutely.
3: You want all of them, and you don't want them just at the little baby doses. You want them at the doses that have been shown to have the most benefit in the clinical studies. So, you start with a little bit, but a key principle of treatment is to get those up to the full treatment doses. Okay. People say, well, I don't need full. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. All (laughs) right. The whole idea is you're no different than anybody else. We all need the, the full treatment dose either that your body can handle or what the doctor says is the best dose to be on. Yes. And then the last one is a relatively new addition. There's a family of medicines called SGLT2 inhibitors. People have heard of them as Farxiga or Jardiance. And so this has been developed for diabetes, but we found out it prolongs life and helps people stay out of the hospital when they have heart failure as well. And that appears to be through metabolic benefits for the heart as well as the body. Helps reduce fluid, helps improve the metabolism of the heart and in- Overall, helps people live longer and stay out of the hospital. And that's only been in the last roughly year that wow. that's come along. Is something
1: along. like that found by accident? <laughs> I mean, that people no. who have diabetes are taking no. the drug. They so have So, the heart story
3: of, of the medicines that, that led to medicines like Entresto started 25, 30 years ago with the development of medicines called ACE inhibitors. Yeah. And the first one of those was found in a pit viper venom from the Amazon. So, this is drug companies seeking drug, you know, uh, that uh, easy molecules. To get. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, with molecules with effect, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't want people think you're giving me pit viper venom. No, we're not all right but but the idea was is that the bites would cause blood vessels to relax and the little mice would have their blood pressure collapse well, to harness the power of that molecule turns out that by it blocks this hormone um, and blocks this enzyme called angiotensin converting enzyme. And by so doing, it helps relax blood vessels. Well, what happens with heart failure, one of the things that happens is the blood vessels yeah, constrict and try to keep the blood, the blood going to the core, and that adds to the workload of the heart. And when we cause that yeah. relaxation... By blocking that hormone or that enzyme, people live longer and do better. So, no, this has not been accidental. This has been the work of dedicated scientists, people that have gone from 30 years ago when when heart failure was a death sentence literally you lived two three four years and still people still run across this on the internet all the time I, I understand I only have a few years to live or whatever oh. and it's so yeah. scary mm-hmm. you know but the reality is is if you follow the toolbox of tools you can make a huge difference for people really right. really can no.
1: so in the first appointment, You talk about lifestyle, and you can do do medication. We do all this. We
3: run through the toolbox. Electrically, some patients need pacemakers, defibrillators. Maybe they have atrial fibrillation. Mm -hmm. Don't want to get sucked too deep into that. And then we get to the fourth door. What do we do if lifestyle medicine and electrical treatments are not enough? Life's harder. Symptoms are getting worse. You've maybe had this for 20 years, and now we're at a point where the heart's very weak, and the symptoms are dramatic. We're seeing signs that the organs are in trouble. Well, then we start to talk about advanced treatments, and so I think of those as two main things: heart transplant
4: mm-hmm.
3: or the left ventricular assist device, or LVAD for short. Now, heart transplants been done here in Oklahoma City, here at Integra since 1985. Dr. Nazizudi did the first one here in Oklahoma City, the namesake of our transplant institute, the Nazizudi Transplant Institute. And over the course of those years, we've gone on to do hundreds of transplants here at our center. Was it 600? Over Yeah, over 600, 600 heart transplants since 1985.
1: So we were really always mm-hmm. on the cutting edge of
3: Absolutely. The heart therapy. So this center is the only comprehensive transplant center in the state of Oklahoma. Nobody really? else did Absolutely. Okay. There is no other heart transplant program at this time in Oklahoma. No other lung transplant program in Oklahoma. Um, there's other liver transplants, but we're the largest and the oldest. And kidney transplant, we're the largest one in Oklahoma as well. And so we do all of those, plus pancreas, plus otherwise. So obviously not my domain, but that's what we do here.
1: What would you equate our cardiac... Um, offerings Mm -hmm. at integris and specifically in oklahoma to other hospitals around the country
3: so so we match at least or exceed the other you know renowned centers in the country we just don't necessarily have the numbers because our population is not as large Mm -hmm. right i i say all the time how many people live in oklahoma 3.5 mm-hmm. million people, give or take a little bit, right? About a million in Oklahoma City, about a million in Tulsa, and the rest are scattered across a our third state. Third of the right? size of New York that's City? That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and so when we do 25 to 30 hearts a year, you know, in a state of three and a half million people, and maybe colleagues to the south do 60 in a year, but they're in a major metroplex that has yeah. eight million people in it, right. that's, you know, almost three times our population in one area, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that we've got huge numbers of underserved people here in this part of our world where, you know, people in the rurals, people elsewhere, they don't even know the options that we have. People in Oklahoma City don't even know what we do, you know. And so um, it's hard to get the word out about all of this options and all of this care. So transplant's been a long time. Let's talk about this left ventricular assist device. It's sitting
0: so, on the table in of right in front of us. Right oh. So we're like, us. we can see the can device. Photo so of this I'll
3: describe it to you, <laughs> you to see if if this makes sense because it's the way I describe it to patients. So what a left ventricular assist device is, is literally it's a mechanical blood pump for the heart. So when the heart is so weak, it can't pump blood for the body anymore. And maybe a transplant's not a good option. For a number of reasons, maybe age, maybe just too sick with other conditions, hmm. where we don't have the time to wait for a heart. Okay. How
0: long does it take to get a heart?
3: Well, it kind of depends on a few different things. So mm-hmm. it depends on your blood type. Oh, okay. Because oh, certain rare. blood types okay, have, gotcha. have longer waits. And it depends a little bit on your body size. You know, so the bigger you are, the bigger the heart you need. So oh, my gosh, I of never smaller, thought about that. Smaller oh the smaller the pool of people that it might be. Now, we get two thirds of the people. That we have listed, we can get two thirds of them transplanted every year. Okay. Oh, okay. So that's really and good. And those statistics are available online. People can look those things okay. up. And so we do pretty well with that. And again, the heart allocation system is organized to get the hearts to the people that are sickest that need them the fastest, right? So if you happen to not be very sick, maybe you still need a heart, but not in extremis, it's going to take a while. Okay.
4: Interesting. But when you, you get have-
3: sick, it's going to be there. Oh, and everybody okay. says, gosh, but I wish I could get it before I get so sick. Me too. If we had enough to go around, so go sign your donor cards, <laughs> go get out there and do your stuff. Because yeah, that's yeah. the only way we can shorten okay. that way. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. So the now,
3: LVAD. The LVAD, I describe this then as a mechanical blood pump for the heart. It's put in with open heart surgery. We do have to cut either through the rib cage or through the sternum to be able to open up the heart. And, uh, cut a hole in the tip of the weak left ventricle. Now, I described this pump, which is called the HeartMate 3, and this is the only one that that we do here now. Looks like an upside-down mushroom, all right? And so Mm -hmm. the stem of the mushroom is is the tube that goes up into the left ventricle, and then the cap of the mushroom is where the pump is at. And that pump is a rotor that spins... At about five thousand RPMs, five thousand rotations per minute. Jeez. And that rotor okay. is amazing because it's Golf fully cart. floating in a magnetic field. Mm. It's, it's literally not touching just anything? Nothing. It's no bearings. It's not sitting on anything. It's literally floating in magnets. Which is totally cool. And that allows this thing to be sped up and slowed down by 2,000 RPMs up and 2,000 RPMs down. So two up, four down, back up two very quickly so that it creates a micro pulse 30 times a minute. So every two seconds, this thing is going. So
1: it's more similar to what the heart is doing as opposed to to to. just constantly spinning at 5,000. So it's
3: still hard to feel the pulse. But what that also does is make sure that blood inside here never gets to sit still. And that's critical because one of the improvements from this pump has been we don't see any problems with blood clots in this pump. That's good. It's really good. So then there's a tube that attaches to the big blood vessel called the aorta. So blood is then pumped out through this tube. Through the, that's attached to the aorta and carries the blood to the body. Now, this pump is electric. It requires power at all times.
4: That's
3: yeah, the yeah. end. Yeah. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's got, it takes a lot more power to run a pump than it does to run a pacemaker. So people say, well, why can't we just put it inside the body and put everything there? Well, this thing pulls four or five watts of power, whereas, a, you know, a, a pacemaker might pull microwatts or microvolts, you know, so that you can put in a very long-lasting battery right. there. But this requires external power. So there literally is a cord that comes out usually through the right side and heals into the skin. There's this textured velour on it, and that allows the skin to grow into it and seal it very tightly, all right? Oh, so okay. So That's so what it we were like, in if tight. people have, like, a mm-hmm. – yeah. It seals in tight at this end, so just the silicone part comes out. And then that hooks into the little computer display called the controller. Then off of that controller are two cables, a black and a Looks white like cable. Looks like kind of a mm-hmm. walkie-talkie. A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. That screen displays the information about how the pump's running and things like that. And then those two cables hook to the power source. So that's either a pair of batteries in holsters that are rechargeable lithium-ion batteries that are generally good for anywhere from 12 to 16 hours of power, Okay. or at night time, you unplug from the holster batteries and, and plug, plug to a 20 foot cable that you can into walk to the bathroom. That and is that so, sort of so stuff. you're
0: like a bionic human. Yeah. Huh? Kind of yeah. plugged into
3: the wall. It's a step towards that. I mean, it's definitely a mechanical piece, but I tell people all the time it's still about the person around the pump. You know, people mm-hmm. focus on the pump so much, but it's still about the person around the pump.
0: I mean, it is sort of tough. Like, it seems a little dehumanizing, right? Like, th- looking at a piece of equipment and knowing that it can go into a body. However, yeah. if the alternative is to not be here, That's right. then, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: And, and and it's a great point to make, I Emmy, mean, because I think that these are things that, that people really do. What you're expressing is it takes time for people to come to terms with this stuff, yeah. right? People get knee replacements, which are titanium joints, right? That's true. They get, you know, pins and they get all kinds of stuff put in, right? Maybe I mean, we've been I'd, through that for a fracture. I right? don't want
0: to... I. Earlier, I was, yeah. like, joking that I wouldn't even want to have fake yeah. boobs because yeah. right, I wouldn't right, want to right, have two right. right. no, uh, two foreign so things in my body. But then, for going
3: there, yeah, right? Like because there's just people that choose
0: right, to have yes.
3: implants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, chin,
0: chin implants, whatever. Like rhino- Some, of it's, yeah. right, some yeah.
3: of it's repairing injuries, right. but some of it's just for purely cosmetic reasons, right? So in the end, implanting things in the human body is not weird or unusual. Mm-hmm. The difference here is most of the time you can't see any external evidence of it, right? Right. You know, here you've got that cord, cord which somehow makes that feel different to us, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? You know, um, we do artificial heart valves. We do all kinds of stuff that we've done for years. Pacemakers, you know, this kind of stuff. These are all implants. So the idea is definitely a bit different. And most of the time we think of these as support or repair, Well, this is support for the heart, you know, and the fact that we have an artificial heart machine that can do this is pretty darn amazing. What's the...
1: How long does this surgery take? What's the recovery time? Do you feel better immediately? Yeah.
3: yeah. And, and I think this is really important stuff, Catherine. So so the surgery itself is not terribly long. You know, it's maybe four to five hours. Okay. If you've never had open heart surgery before, it can go very quickly usually. The surgeons that we have um, here at Integris are amazing cardiac surgeons. They do all cardiac surgery and they do this. They do heart transplants. To us, that seems amazing. I'm not a surgeon. I I have huge respect for what my colleagues do that do this stuff. To them, this is all done with pretty standard techniques. You know, surgeons now can can do this. Now, look, everything takes some training and some. You got to know the tricks of the trade and <laughs> right, things like that. Right, the tricks of the
1: trade. But it the, takes yeah, but, but the basics, like specific training,
3: You're right. But, yes. Um, you know, but coming out of a training program with cardiac surgery training equips you to be able to do right, this. Right. Right. Now, um, the surgery itself, maybe four to six hours. Look. Sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, but that's the average, right? Now, I speak to the average of how long recovery is. Look at this as a few pieces. I break it to three weeks, 21 days, all right? Week one, you think you made a big mistake.
0: (laughs)
4: Oh,
3: no. <laughs> well, you oh, do. God. Yeah, because yeah. it's Anybody sad. who's ever been through mm-hmm. an operation realizes the first few days after an operation just stink, all right? You hurt, you're uncomfortable, there's tubes, there's lines, there's wires. And I go to people before surgery and I say, but you can do this, right? You are no better or no worse than the 600-plus other people that have had LVADs at our program. You can do this, all right? You just got to Get through it, okay? okay? So suck it up, little cowboy. Yeah. And let's get her <laughs> done, do all right? Things. So we can do this, mm-hmm. all right? And we'll be there. We're your cheerleaders. We're on your team. We're going to get through this, all right? Um, second week, you start to think, maybe I'm actually going to survive, you know, that that the tubes are coming That's out. How- pain is going down. The swelling's improving after an operation. And you mm-hmm. kind of go, okay, this this is okay. And then the last week, the third week is like, Okay, I think I got this. All right? Yeah, I think I like can, get, I can out get out of here. This. And look, that's the average. The shortest we've ever had someone out of the hospital was nine days after going through So you
1: are us. in the hospital for
3: got to be in the hospital
1: nine for days to,
3: to, to, to- Could be much longer. Okay. Right? Some people who come to us on death's door, extraordinarily sick, kidney failure, liver failure. Yeah, they got not some working, time. They may have they some might, time. Right. Yeah. The sicker you are going in, the sicker the you are longer. coming out. That's why we want to get to this kind of therapy because this is not like a transplant in the sense of I can get this off the shelf anytime we need. Right. Oh, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, So that's a big deal, okay? This is a very valid choice for people who want to go on to later get a heart transplant but are feeling terrible. We can do this. Oh, okay. It doesn't take away your option of a heart transplant. Mm. It's not either or. Sometimes it's both, right? This we use until a heart comes, okay? Other times, maybe a heart's not a good choice for you. Maybe the anatomy's not good or the results are not going to be very good from a transplant. For other conditions that we go through, then this can be a good choice, all right? That this can really still help prolong life and make life better. Now, by three months postoperatively, 85% of patients are back to doing almost normal levels of activity.
1: Wow, okay. And they may have been not
3: leaving the house before that. Correct, Absolutely. For people who were very incapacitated by a lack of blood flow, that improvement is within hours to days so that they will start to feel the difference. Now people who have a lot of other problems, look, if you got bad knees, bad hips, bad back, bad whatever, this isn't necessarily going to fix that, right? So if you had bad knees that need to be replaced with bad arthritis before, you're still going to have bad knees with bad arthritis afterwards, but your breathing will be better. Maybe we can get that done then later. Um so by, by three months out, most people are functioning way better. And when we look at them again two years later, they still do. So it's not a short term gain. Right. It's, it's sustained. Mm-hmm. You know how long our longest patient has been on an oh, LVAD I wanted, here? I wanted
1: yes, I do. That was one of my <laughs> Yeah.
3: Thirteen years, eight months.
1: Wow. With the same LVAD in. Second or do you have to have, one, have it replaced?
3: Okay. He, he There's been several generations of this, HeartMate 1, HeartMate 2, HeartMate 3. I was going to say, that's 3. We're on the 3. He got a 1 when he started, and that one used to only last 18 months. And about 18 months in, he had that replaced for a 2, and he's been on the 2 now for over 13 years.
0: Oh, so he could get a 3 if he wanted to.
3: Mm, Well, that would mean another big operation. Great, that's what I'm saying. But yes, he could. And we have converted people who had trouble with a 2 to a 3. But now we mostly do threes because this is now the best technology and the best stuff we have.
1: Is an LVAD a lifelong implant? I mean, can Interesting. you, can, yeah, can you come, come off of, of it? You can, out. actually. You can?
3: Yeah. So this is another reason why we'd like to get to people early. There's a whole world of what's called cardiac recovery. You know, can mm-hmm. we help the heart with, with, a, with a pump? To recover right now, nationwide, the percentage of people that come off of an LVAD is about one percent. But at but our program, a chance. but I'm saying there's a chance, mm-hmm. and at our program, we have actually had multiple people that we've been able to support them so for of a the year. 600, you've 18, had... Yeah, we've had five or six that <sighs> we've been able to take nice. off.
0: That would be Catherine, and,
3: and I they continue be to, be to like, go on. Trying over.
0: to figure yeah. out how to you know, get out yeah. of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying not all of them. I know, the, but right? But, but
3: how did we do that? Right? They had something that was theoretically reversible. Did so. you go
0: back through the toolbox?
3: Yes, that's exactly what we did. You know, so something like one example was a gentleman with a chemotherapy induced damage to his heart, you know, so he had lymphoma got treated with with aggressive chemo. It hurt his heart, but we were able to put the pump in. We were able to treat him with the rest of the toolbox. About a year and a half later, a little less than that, his heart had recovered and we were able to take the pump out. And he's now over 10 years without a pump. You know, Whoa. so um, that's pretty amazing. We that had another amazing. young man who made some life choices that included some substance problems, but he cleared his life of those substances, got a second chance with an LVAD, and his heart recovered. And he's working at, you know, in town now and doing great without a pump. I was going to ask, so, like, yeah.
0: if you've seen a lot of patients
3: with opioid. So the opioid problem we've not seen a lot of. Opioids don't hit the heart very much. I
0: thought that heroin did.
3: Not so much. It can affect the lungs a lot, breathing, respirations. You know, the fentanyl problems cause this kind of crash in your breathing and stuff. Okay. The one we've seen the most trouble with from a heart perspective is methamphetamine. so methamphetamine is terribly damaging to the heart and so see a goodly number of methamphetamine induced heart disease and uh, weak hearts that can come from that which is terrible so so with this then so patients can go on live for years Mm -hmm. quality of life tends to be great they go back to doing things I've had people play golf roof houses, chase cattle, you know, go dancing, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, Again, I say the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. Mm -hmm. So the people that go out and they exercise and they build themselves back up, you know, they really can do this. Um, Living with the driveline is very doable. Again, every individual has to come to terms with that. But what a lot of people don't know is that this technology exists, that we do it here at Baptist Mm -hmm. Medical Center. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that when this pump came out, some place in the United States had to do it first. And that was here? We did the first HeartMate 3 in the United States right here at Integris Baptist Medical Center. Wow. That's
0: really cool. September
3: of 2014.
0: Wow. So the
3: first one in the U.S. as part of the national clinical trial that led to it being approved was done here. So when we say, no joke, by time we have more clinical experience than any other clinical mm-hmm. program in the United States with the HeartMate 3 pump, that's a true statement.
1: Wow. So in the cardio world, yeah. is Integris known? Is this group known? Is, do people come from outside Oklahoma?
3: Yeah. So Integris Advanced Cardiac Care, our LVAD program specifically, is absolutely known around the world for the work that we've done here. We have had visiting programs come to us from Poland, from Japan. We have had visiting programs come from all sides of this country to come and learn from this team Mm -hmm. as to how we do it and how we built what we did.
0: That's awesome. Um,
3: It's been pretty amazing you know to think that when I came here 16 years ago that we would go from literally not doing LVADs at all to having a program known around the world. And that couldn't be done without the team behind us, right? I hear, am sitting talking, But I'm going to be the first one to tell you this does not happen just with me. All right. This is about the literally dozens and dozens of people behind me my co director, Dr. Long, all of our surgeons, my advanced nurse practitioners, my colleagues in the heart failure space, all of our coordinators, all of the nurses in the hospital, the people that keep the lights on, the people that, you
4: know, (laughs)
3: scrub the rooms. You know, I mean, literally, you can't even, you know, every time I try to name everybody, I get in trouble because. I always leave somebody out. Yeah, and I never I mean to, start. you know, but, but it doesn't happen without a village. And that's really what defines our center as an advanced heart failure center. We do LVADs and transplants. You bet. That's what makes an advanced heart failure center an okay. advanced heart failure center. But it happens because you have a people. team of people united around a vision to be great at what they do. We didn't come here to be average. We mm. came here to be great. And mm. we are. You know, we are. And we want the people in our city and our region to know that. That you can come to Integris Baptist, be cared for by the advanced cardiac care team. And there is not an option that we don't have yeah. to be able to take care we of advanced cardiac We don't have to send fire.
1: somebody out of the state. But we for- don't
3: have to. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not a statement of pride. There's some things we're not as great at. And we'll be the first to say, we're going to partner with somebody else to make sure you can get that done the best.
4: Right, All right. right.
3: But for all of these things, you know that to to other people seem remarkable. This is stuff that we do well in other places. Come to us to learn how to do this.
0: That's incredible. Well, that kind of like leads me to our first question. Okay, because it really is about sort of the future, right? So it's. You personally, in 10 years, the Advanced Cardiac Group in 10 years, and then Oklahoma City in 10 years, kind of Great. where do you see these three things landing? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I mean, this is incredible to see kind of what has happened since you've been here in the last 16 years. But That's kind true. of what do you think is going to happen? Well,
3: this? this stuff's almost inseparable, right? Me, yeah. program, and the city. Right? <laughs> because, you know, I'm not from Oklahoma originally, but yet... I just have a passion for these people in this area um, that has really kind of surprised me over the years. You know, it's not easy doing this stuff. We've plowed through a lot of different things. So to, to see myself in the program, I, I see these as inextricably linked. So what do, what do we want? What I'd love to see is over the next 10 years is to see a network of care that starts in our walls, but absolutely includes the hospitals and colleagues in Oklahoma City in a tightly connected network that finds patients with advancing heart failure at the right time and the right place and gets them to the right level of care. Now, whether that's done through partnership, which it has to be. There mm-hmm. has to be champions and doctors at every place. There has to be empowerment of the people that do this. There has to be technology. There has to be education. And there has to be easing across the transitions of care. U.S. medicine, as the pandemic has hit, as revenues have dropped, has become progressively more isolated and siloed every hospital is fighting to keep its patients its business its doctors and I get that we all understand the business of medicine in principle but there are still certain things that cannot be done at every place not every place can do LVADs and do them well right Mm -hmm. and so we need to find ways to move between those silos and do that well as we move into the future, where, where institutions can remain viable and successful, but find ways to partnership. So I'm really hopeful that this program in the next 10 years, with us kind of driving it, me, kind of driving that... Can accomplish that within our region and then extend that out to the rest of Oklahoma take the lessons learned here and keep extending that out to the rural communities where you know we've position papers that that recognize patients who live in rural communities don't get the same access access. to transplants they don't get the same access they don't have access to health care they can't get groceries they can't get health care they don't have hospitals anymore I mean this Mm -hmm. stuff is just really tough you know um, and even within our own city, there's, there's huge swaths of people that are underprivileged and underaccessed, you know. And so being able to connect those dots throughout our city is an area of great passion, and that's going to take money and vision too because without that, nothing happens, you know, and that's just the reality of it. So we hope that we can connect to some passions for some people here in Oklahoma City, you know, that, that have a passion to help us do this because I can't do it I myself. Do,
1: I mean I do think yeah. Oklahoma City is a unique place and that we do feel passionate about our community yeah. and we we know that in times of crisis we come together, yeah, right? So Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. I mean, if any place and it can be, heart disease is a modern plague. Right. I mean, heart failure is incredibly common. It's the, you know, it's a major, major cause of death in, in our well, isn't people. Well, heart disease the number one The disease? Heart disease is still number one, and mm-hmm. heart failure is a component of that. Right. And the end point of heart disease is heart failure. Right. You know, like that's, you yeah. that's how everybody, you know, or most people end up progressing through mm-hmm. their cardiac journey no matter how it starts. So that's a big deal. Um, the other sort of concrete stuff at the institution, we need capacity, and so we're excited. In the next couple of years, we've got a new tower going up, focused on cardiac care. It's going to be right here on Northwest Expressway.
4: Nice.
3: Um, very excited to see that start Where's to go up. Where is it going? Up. It is going to go on, on top of the parking garage oh. <laughs> that that is there on the corner oh, of Northwest okay, Expressway and okay. in Independence. It'll be hooked into the hospital here. Uh, I think it's going to be you know eight floors. I think you know so, nice. and it'll have new operating rooms, new cath labs, new ICU rooms. We didn't even get into the other very high-end care we do for patients with critical, you know, shock and things like that. I've got colleagues that are every bit the pioneer that we've been in terms of dealing with with shock and what's called ecmo and you know doing all of this sort of resuscitative work which is kind of at the other end of what we do we want to take the chronic patients and get them to these therapies they take the people who are in truly dire straits and return them to a chance at life kinds of stuff whether they can do that with support for a little while or not so seeing all of this get integrated is really where cardiology needs to go, all right? And then for our state, you know, I, I think desperately I want to see this state move up the scale of of health literacy, of mm. education, mm-hmm. of access, of awareness, um, and to, you know, balance the things that have made Oklahoma great, you know, which is some of this fierce independence and some of this, you know, really creative kinds of things. Um, but try to weave that in with some of the the structures that it takes to make this happen, you know, where it's not always about someone's telling you what to do. It's about working together in community. To try to make things happen and communities are going to have to be bigger than the guy next door to me or my little street or whatever kinds of stuff because that's the way the world is right now. We don't want to lose that. And that's why, in the end, we think of ourselves as a family for our patients. You know, when yeah. when they come to see us, you're part of our family because you don't get through this. You're, you're tied to us, right? <laughs> you, yeah. When you get to know, we're still our coming back plan, 13 years later. Yeah, I mean, we're going to know you a long time, mm-hmm. right? And and we go through intense things together, and and all the way up until you know maybe their final days, and that's yeah. super important and super valuable, and and we'd love to see that extended and and not lose sight of that empathic human aspects to to medicine and trying to integrate that across the state and i
1: I really think that is sort of what can set it apart right you can know all the technical and the functional piece of it you can be the best at that no question but having the human piece of it especially considering they are with you for life yeah
3: this is not this is not an assembly line Mm -hmm. every single person who comes through here their plan is customized Unique to their situation, the principles are the same, right? The toolbox is the toolbox. That's the science, like you were just saying. But the art of medicine is how you apply that to the individual, right? Right. And that's what we do in a very customized way.
0: That's, and that's where the creativity in
1: the
3: yes comes. Well, in, it
0: makes me so. We interviewed Dr. Krishna, yeah. and it makes me think I, of I like wondering. I know I was wondering. So, do you ever? Partner with the Mind Body Center for your
3: patients. We've we've had some interactions with them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. we've had interactions with Arcadia Trails with patients of oh, ours who yeah. maybe needed mm-hmm. help with with pain medication, you know, weaning things like that. Oh, you know, yeah. again, this this idea that we take care of a transplant or we take care of an LVAT and we get very focused on this part of it.
4: Mm-hmm. We
3: take care of the whole person. Right. We really really do. We have psychiatrists. We have financial planners. We have social workers. We work with every mm-hmm. kind of consultant on a regular basis to get anything that patient mm-hmm. needs, you know. Once you have the LVAD, your community hospital is probably going to say you just need to get over there because you know yeah. they don't want to. <laughs> you know, we train them, we teach them, but still, they they need the experience to do this and do this well. And that's what we're here for—to support everybody around with that.
1: That's awesome. You ready? Okay. Final question. I'm going to. I'm switching up a tiny bit. Oh, you are. You have a doctor that's going to complete the team that lives somewhere else in the United States and they're flying to Oklahoma City to see Oklahoma City and to see Integris. You've got to show them our great city. What do you take this doctor or this nurse or whomever the person is that you want to add to your team yeah, the next love team it. where do you take them yeah show them and, this and city?
3: We, we are faced with this so so I always start with painting the mental picture right <laughs> to to say so so I always go back and kind of start and talk about the history of the city right mm-hmm. you know um, relatively new state you know this whole you know development of things like again east coast cities have been there since what 1600s right. I 1700s, can't say they're right?
1: old we go somewhere like that's right, old, right? Mom. Right, right, like, right. Just, you just know, so so I the want to the
3: give them that sense of youth and vigor. You know, that's kind of here, and I want to give them the sense of the people that came here. the The sooner the boomers and the Sooners that came to Oklahoma, the the settlers, their unique group of people, right? And their roots are still here. So, then when we talk about this city. I mean, you, I at least have to go back to the bombing and just recognize that that this was a formative moment for this city, right? Yeah. Where it could have been nothing but a negative, but it was taken, said never again, and turned into a positive. So I've I've emulated a little bit of Sam Presti with this, you know, to say, look, this is. Kind of at the core of what the identity of the city started around and drove everything that we see downtown. So do
0: you take them to the?
3: memorial? So I'll encourage like, them to right. go again. You know whether or not I can take them there is a separate discussion, right. but oh. but we'll we'll point them in <laughs> that direction.
0: Let's pretend like it's you, yes, we'll,
3: right. So I would absolutely take them there. I would then use the geographic pieces of it to walk them through all the changes and show the vigor of downtown, the new apartments, the restaurants. You know, I'll point out none such and say you know hey You'll you know this uh, you know Hi. this had uh, you know best restaurant or best new restaurant you know a year or two ago um and just give them the sense of vigor and development and then bring them out to another part of our town that shows the the, the relative straightforward life that you can have here right so whether that's the downtown corridor that's developing with with homes and apartments that fit maybe a single person that might like that a little bit more versus the family oriented end of things if they're just getting started maybe Edmond is a little bit more in their you know domain or what they're comfortable with and if they're a little older or whatever and a little more established you know the the Nichols Hills area is amazing right you know in terms of just being a community where people can kind of move into and feel comfortable with so so we'll kind of titrate to whatever we think kind of fits that and then we usually at least hit one Pretty solid restaurant, whatever that may be. What's you your go-to? Yeah.
1: You
3: know, what's the one that really sells it? Well, you know, it's always tough to say. I mean, the one we almost always use is proximity-wise, but we've never had anybody run away from us, and and it's our good friends at the Ranch Steakhouse. You know, yeah. we, yes, we can't, yeah. can't stay away from the Ranch, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. uh, um, they very just good for such cardiac nice health. Job very good for <laughs> cardiac ribeye, health. Nice, lean, nice, nice. Uh, on I was going to say a nice side. little lean fillet is uh-huh. great, you know, no. <laughs> but but no, you know, who can stay away from of wagyu <laughs> ribeye or whatever, we do you have the best it's in like America here. no, yeah. we do have great stuff there, and and you know, or I've even done, you know, and I've often done the other end of it, which is just do a dinner at my house you know, we'll just have something brought in, we'll, you know, have a wrench delivered, we'll do whatever and make a point of, of this idea that we are team and community, right. You know, and then reflect that both outward, but then back down to our direct team that we are Mm -hmm. part of the city and and we are part of its history now, you know, and so want them to have that sense that they too can belong here, you know, and that's, I think, important.
1: Well, we really appreciate Thanks. your joining us, I mean, We've spent a lot of weeks learning a lot of. I know. I this feel is like we've been fascinating. On this. Yeah,
0: it is fascinating. I'm really excited to have met you. I hope I'm never in your office. I know. I, I hope I, hope I hope never hope get there. Either, um, right?
1: But I'm I mean, really, but now that really I happy that, that you're, that, you're yeah. in this. City, you're yeah. here. Yeah, I think we yeah. knowledge is power, and I think knowledge we is power.
3: That's it, right? Don't deny Tell the reality. story. Face it. Yeah, Go get the best you can. Nobody cares about you more than you.
0: True. Go get the best. Well so Um, how can people find more information about You
3: bet. Integris Advanced Cardiac Care available online. You can find us there through the Transplant Institute. We have a referral line that is good for all people, twenty four seven three sixty five. 365 You can give it to your doctor. You can give it to your nurse. Or you can even touch base with us if you think you have heart failure. That's 405-713-9911, wow. right?
1: Make sure you dial the numbers in, at, in at the
3: In the right beginning. order, right? <laughs> yes. Throw that extra nine in there. <laughs> <laughs> <right? Extra> nine.
1: <laughs> and I, we did – there is a little quiz, a nine question. Maybe I don't know how many questions yes. it was, quiz on the – Integra's website website that you can take to kind of give you an idea if you're
3: absolutely right. If those things are there and, and we will certainly listen to you. If we think that that's a good fit, we'll get you scheduled. If not, we'll maybe direct you to one of our other general cardiologists that may be able to serve you well and can be grateful that you don't need our, our services, but we are here to help if needed. So great. You awesome. bet. Thank,
1: Thank you so Dr. much.
3: i have enjoyed it, Catherine. I'm enjoying it, Abby. Thank you very much for yeah. your time. All right. I think it's a great story and really appreciate you taking the time to sit and talk about it.
1: Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate your listening to these stories. You can find us on Instagram at ActionCityOKC. Or for business inquiries, email us at hello at actioncityokc.com. Action City is produced by Black Studios. You can find the studio on Instagram and Facebook at Blacken Studios. Creative services provided by Ranger Creative, music written and performed by Kansas City Bankroll.